0: Right. hey guys, so good to see you all today. What an awesome, awesome day it is outside. I was kind of nervous coming in because uh, it's real windy inland a little bit, right? So I was leaving my house and the palm trees were like <laughs> scarily swaying over my backyard. So I was like, oh man, how's this gonna be? But it's it is beautiful and calm and peaceful here at Newport Beach. I'm enjoying this beautiful weather. Um, I don't know about your favorite restaurant. I like have so many. I'm like, how do I narrow this down? I don't even know. Prob- Tuck already told you guys. I think mine was Oliboli. That is like my number one stop. <laughs> Oliboli or Ha Long Bay. Teresa Sue introduced me to that one. Got to check out Ha Long Bay. That's good. Intestine. So um, yeah, my question for you guys is, if you're here in person um, or if you're online, just go ahead and write in the chats. I wanna know what you've been doing to take advantage of this amazing, amazing weather this week. I actually had the honor and privilege of getting to drive up to Pismo Beach. We just did like a quick little day stop to Pismo Beach. And one of my very best friends, who I got to stand as her maid of honor at her wedding 15 years ago, they did a vow renewal, and so we got to be there again for that, and it was just Taka and I, and it was just so special, and I was like, how lucky are we that we get to do that? We get to like literally just go stand by the ocean and be outside in the middle of all of that this crazy stuff that was going. I was just kind of cracking up because... <laughs> Um, you guys all know Mike and Tiff and how they just moved back to Wisconsin, and she's literally a posting a picture of them eating outside with snow everywhere. <laughs> and there, it's 40 degrees, and she's like, it's a beautiful day <laughs> in Milwaukee, and I was like, I'm so happy we live here. Thank you, Jesus. We're so blessed. But anyways, all of that has literally nothing to do <laughs> with what I want to talk to you about. I just thought it was awesome, when I wanted to share But um, for those of you who are new here, my name is Natalie, um, and we are right in the middle of a series called Hello, My Name is Jesus. And we've been in this series for a long time, and it's in the book of Luke. We're just doing a deep dive into who Jesus was and what he actually said and what he actually did and what that means for us today. And so if you're taking notes today, um, we are going to be calling today's message A Seat at the Table. And you can open up your Bibles if you have them to Luke 14 7 through 24 and if you don't have them don't worry i'm gonna read it to you so you'll get to hear it either way so let's go ahead and we're gonna just jump right into the words and then just talk about what that means for us so it says this when jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seats of honor near the end of the table he gave them this advice when you're invited to a wedding feast don't sit at the seat of honor What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? And then the host will come and say, give this person your seat. And then you'll be embarrassed, and you'll have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. So instead, just go ahead and take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then your host, when he sees you, will come by and say, friend, we have a better place for you. And then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. (laughs) Then he turned to his host, and he said, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, he said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back, and that will be your only reward. But instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. And if I can just sum that whole thing up into one message, one phrase, it would be this. Others first, always. And others first, always. And so actually, I was kind of cracking up because it's kind of an opposite message of what the rest of the world will tell you you should do, right? And I was was cracking up because as I was preparing this message, I took a little break and I was kind of scrolling through my Instagram feed and someone, I won't say who, um was right it was trying to write like a like go get them kind of powerful Instagram post and they said if you don't get a seat at the table bring a lawn chair and <laughs> I just totally laughed because I'm like I'm totally gonna say the opposite of what you just said and I love that person no down to that person but I it made me just totally aware in that moment of how backwards Jesus is right he tells us to do the opposite of what the rest of the world tells us to do it's very much our culture to push our way to the front don't wait for the invitation give it to yourself right how many of you heard that don't wait for the invitation just give it to yourself and it's actually a backwards assumption um and here's what i mean by that the assumption is that unless we get what we want when we want it somehow We believe that God isn't going to make a way for us in the best way possible. I'm just going to say it one more time because I think that's something we all kind of need to get in our minds. That the backwards assumption is that unless we get what we want, when we want it, we believe that God isn't making a way for us in the best way. And that's a trust issue that we would have with God. Because the truth is, you are invited to have a seat at God's table. And every seat is a good seat. He has a good purpose for every single one of us. He has a good plan for each and every one of us. We don't have to push our way to the front. We don't have to strive to get to the front. He's got something good for you. Promise. Period. End of the story. It may not look like the person next to you, but there's a good plan for you. And we can trust in that. We don't have to jockey or position our way forward in God's kingdom. And we don't have to fight for our rights. He's he's already given them to us, but not for us. He gave them to us so that we could give them to others who don't have those rights. He wants us to pass that purpose and favor on to people who don't yet possess that purpose and favor. See, we don't have to lose for someone else to win and someone else doesn't have to lose for us to win. That's not where our value comes from. We don't need that position and title. We all have worth. And you don't have to prove that worth to anyone else. You don't have to prove that. God already paid top dollar for you. The biggest sacrifice anyone could ever make for you. He paid the most expensive price for you. That's your value. So you don't have to prove anything to anyone. So you can just rest easy. You can rest easy in humility, knowing your worth and offering huge honor to other people without losing a single thing. See, humility is a virtue that anyone and everyone can honor, but pride comes before the fall, right? So Jesus is is telling us in this passage that real wealth is not in having connections, but being someone else's connection. It's not in having connections, but being someone else's connection. Connection to what they need, right? I love Jesus' heart here. He's—it's just so beautiful because he's—he's he's telling us right here that the richest kind of life is giving away to those who can never repay you, and that's the opposite of what our world tells us, right? But he's saying the richest life is giving everything away to others. So then he goes on and in uh, he talks about the parable of the great feast. And he says, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. And one said, I just bought a field and I need to go inspect it. Please excuse me. And another said, I've just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious, and he said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. And so his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will even get to taste the smallest taste of my banquet. And um, so I'm going to just take a drink really quick. When I read that story, um, honestly, it hit a little bit home for me about this season um, that we've all been kind of living in. Um, and Taka hit on it just a little bit, he like preached the whole sermon right in that short <laughs> little welcome, but this this season has been, um, it's been wonderful in a lot of ways, it's been a reset for many of us because we've gotten to put up boundaries that we didn't have before, we have gotten a lot of peace and rest and time with our loved ones, sometimes maybe a little bit too much time <laughs> with our loved ones and we need a little break now <laughs> from that. Um, but some of us have been making, we're making good habits. You know, we're shedding over commitments or activities that didn't serve our life well. But for many of us, we've had a reason or an excuse to drift from engaging in the feast of the family of God. And I've just watched it happen little by little more and more as we've been going on. And actually, you know, I mentioned earlier that I went to go see my friends Um in Pismo Beach and did their we did their vow renewal and I was cracking up because we were just talking about this how um, people have stopped engaging as much as much with the family of God and there's been lots of excuses and reasons why um, but <laughs> he said you know it's kind of like the movie wally how many of you guys have seen the movie wally it's one of my favorites. Everybody rips on it, but I love it. <laughs> I love it. But it re- he goes, it's kind of like, you know when they are bringing the spaceship back to Earth, and they get there, and everybody's like, they have no muscle tone left, because they haven't been using their muscles. And they kind of like roll off the ship, and it's really awkward. And they're trying to get back on Earth and learn how to like farm and all this kind of stuff. But they haven't used their muscles in so long, because they've been isolated from each other. They've been in the same spaceship, but they were totally isolated. They were stuck in front of these screens. They didn't have to do anything, but it's kind of like quarantine, right? We're all stuck in front of our screens, all quarantine long. We're stuck in our houses and our own little bubbles. But now it's time for us to start exercising those muscles again. We need to rebuild our muscles And I've watched us get used to separation and isolation, not just in person, but even our online options. I'm not, I judge no one who needs to stay at home, okay? So but but we've provided online options to engage with the family of God. And there's it's been crickets in a lot of arenas, and I can say that with true honesty. And gathering, you know, gathering can and does look like many option, different options in this season. And I can tell you with zero guilt on my head that we've done everything in our power to provide you safe options to gather. And to to God's glory, thank you, Lord, um, I can say that not even one case of transmission that I know of has happened from us gathering in person either. Um, we've been extremely safe. We've done all of the right things. we followed all of the rules we got more than six feet distance. Everyone's wearing their masks right now. You all can't see it online. But we've been safe. We've been doing it the best we can. But yet, I've watched the enemy try and succeed in a great effort this year. More than any year that I've seen to discredit the church at large, not just in person, but online. And the unity of the church. And the work and the purpose of the church. And the need for the church. And... I've just seen a systematic attempt. I've just watched it all year long as the enemy has systematically tried to make the body ineffectual and stunted at the very moment that we need to be unified. The very moment we need to be our strongest, he's tried to launch an attack to make us ineffectual. And one of the ways is he's done that by attacking our unity and, and the idea being that we must all think the same or be the same is one of the sneakiest schemes of the enemy and many people i've watched many people walk away from their church because of differences of opinion and you know we're always going to speak the truth on sin issues and encourage you to form your opinions off of christ's love but differences will come it's anywhere you go it's not just in church it's everywhere Um, but they will bring opportunities to learn and empathize. emphasize that is the beauty of the body is that we have the, the opportunity to learn from each other and to empathize. And one of the saddest attacks that I've seen this year, I've seen so many posts online um, of people saying, leave your church if they don't do or say X, Y, or Z. And not just from one idea or party or, or like social aspect, from every single, <laughs> every single like arena I have seen people say if your church doesn't talk about what I think they should talk about this week you should leave that church and that has been the the hardest thing for me to watch because we are not doing church to satisfy everyone else's opinions we're doing church because we need Jesus we're doing church because we need to hear the word of God and learn how to live our lives Every week we need to hear that. And we're not living for the applause of human opinions. We're aiming for something a lot higher than that. Higher than that. Holier than that. We're aiming for unity in Christ. And that cut and run is a very narrow-minded and short-sighted solution. There are probably moments this year where you wish we would have said or done more or less about a certain topic. And you know what? I totally get that because we all have things that we're really passionate about, things that are important to us that we want to focus on. And I totally get that because I feel that way sometimes too. Sometimes there are weeks when I'm like, I want to talk about this, this, and this. But I know that God has a different message for us that week. And so we have to just be patient with one another and know we'll get there. We'll get there, right? But abandoning your support system and the people who need you and need your your perspective and that you need, it cuts you too. And unity and growth are impossible without learning from each other. And isolating you separates you from the very body that you are a part of. Your voice is important. Your gifts matter, and there's a better way and a more mature way to handle it when we have a difference of opinion. Eric talked about it a few weeks ago. If you've got an issue with someone, go talk to them about it. You'll probably learn something, right? You're probably going to see their perspective in a different way that you didn't know about before. And uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 21 say this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body, and so it is with the body of Christ. eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary, and the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those who have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. And if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. So the body is made up, the body of Christ is made up of so many different parts and functions and gifts. And they're so necessary to work all together. And, you know, we're not trying to form a body of 200 hands. We're not trying to be all exactly the same. The beauty of the the body is our diversity, our differences, our our strengths, our gifts, our talents, our opinions even, right? Those things need to come together. We need every part of the body to come together, to work together so that we can grow. If you cut off your hand, that hand is separate from the body and is, is no longer powerful, right? When you cut yourself off from your body, you lose a huge piece of your power. And likewise, the body loses that amazing gift that the ha- hand had to give to that body. We need one another. The next is the purpose of the church and why it matters. Why does the church matter? Why why do we need to be engaging with each other? It matters because of a few reasons that I want to share with you. And the first one is for holiness and for transformation. We don't always talk about this a lot, but we need each other to be transformed together. We need to learn the nature of Christ. And this is not, I'm not saying that anyone is not made perfectly and wonderfully, okay? So don't take that out of out of the context but all of us do struggle we all struggle to do what's right to do what is kind and what is selfless on a daily basis and I'm guessing for those of you who came here in person today you had a choice to be selfish or selfless when somebody wanted to merge into your lane and you were going at a good pace right (laughs) you had the choice to let them in or you had the choice to like zoom past them and cut them off right we all have that choice every day we all have this daily and momentary biases that we need to come over. We need to overcome, right? Um, in every day I have to make the choice with my spouse and my kids when I'm making a meal. Do I give them the best and the biggest parts or do I take it for myself? Do I dig in before anybody can get the good stuff, right? Do I make the most selfish or the most selfless decisions? We all make these decisions all every day and we need each other, right? To remind each other, to hold each other accountable, to, to follow up with our promises, and to, to follow up with the call to be transformed, to be more self, selfless like Christ. See, we've all experienced pain and misunderstanding from one another. We're all living in a world that is experiencing that pain of not yet entering into God's fullness. None of, no one on this earth can yet claim to be totally selfless and perfect, and you know what the church is the same way we're full of imperfect people who are learning to be better together and there's evil in our world and we run into it and it breaks us from time to time and we break each other from time to time we don't want to but we do and it's not always on purpose sometimes we do it by mistake but we need each other we need the church Because we need to heal and forgive and find that transforming power of God in our lives so we can be more like Christ, so we can be selfless. Because he is the ultimate great healer, the redeemer, the reconciler, the wonderful counselor, the justice bringer, the redeemer that we all need. But we can't do that if we're not together, holding each other accountable reminding each other of who we're called to be, to challenge our negative thoughts, to push us towards a less biased understanding, to hold us to account. Another reason the church is so important is because we're called to be a witness. This is our living witness of who Christ is. When people come into this place, they can see and tangibly experience Christ for themselves. And it's, Our opportunity to spread the hope of Christ through open-air preaching. And I don't know of any other time in my Christian life of going to church ever where there's been more of an opportunity to actually do open-air preaching than this moment. To actually let God's word be out in open air. Like literally there's people walking by right now hearing about the hope of God. Not only that, but it's an important way for us to share that hope one-on-one with people that we love. So if you're watching online, you can spread that hope and share that hope by liking and sharing this video even right now, engaging with the witness of Christ. Or next week, if you come in person, invite somebody with you. Bring somebody who needs that hope today. But the moment that we stop witnessing and inviting people to the feast is the day that we die as a church. So do not hide your light. People need your light in this moment. This is a very dark and confusing season and people need your light. So let's be that light. Another reason is because of the care for the poor and the sick and from day one we've been commissioned to care for the orphans, the widows, the migrants, to pray for the sick, to support one another. We can't get away from this. This is one of our mandates as the church. We need to care for our community. We need to care for those who are in need. That's another physical way we get to express the love of Christ is by doing this. And as a body, there's so many things we can do when we're all working together. Me donating to one organization is going to do a little bit, but all of us together, we can do great things for people who need it the most. Another need for the church, it's not just for the world at large, but it's for us too, right? We need to worship together. I don't know about you, but when we were, before we started doing these outdoor services, we were pre-recording, and we were watching them at home in our living room, and every time worship would come on, it it was like this. Nobody in our house was (laughs) singing at full levels, right? And I'm willing to bet there's some of you who have not sung a worship song with other people for almost a full year but something really powerful happens when we're in the presence of other people singing our hearts out crying out to God with passion combined with other people's passion you can feel that presence you can feel God in a different way when you are worshiping with your brothers and sisters than when you're sitting in a room by yourself Hoping nobody, the person next to you on the couch doesn't hear you, (laughs) right? But we need to worship. We need support. We need to pray for one another. None of us can do this on our own. And any of us who who thinks that we can, I think this year has been the wake-up call we all needed that we can't do this alone. We cannot survive hard times without people loving us and supporting us and listening to us and believing with us, for God to make a difference in our life. We need to gather because we need to remember. We need to remember what God's done in our life. And we remember by taking communion with one another. And that's actually one of the sacraments. It's one of the things we're doing today. We're taking communion together. We need to remember everything that God's done for us. We need to take that moment and, and remember with our brothers and sisters. Not just unto ourselves, but we need other people to remind us of the good that God's done. And we need to celebrate at the feast. We, we need to celebrate. We need to see that God still moves and that God is still working. And we do that through baptisms, right? We see, every time I see a baptism, I just cry because I'm so grateful and thankful for God changing everything. One more life. One more life. Thank you, God, that you're still new and you're still real and you still change lives forever and always. And you're never going to quit. and You're never going to get give up on us. And that's something to celebrate. And yes, we are still doing baptisms, even in the middle of the pandemic. And we wear masks and we dunk people. <laughs> they don't wear the masks. We're not trying to waterboard anybody. But we still do baptisms. And if you have been wanting to get baptized and you don't feel comfortable with that, guess what? a super soaker I am more than happy to super soak you in the driveway and we will (laughs) invite people to drive by and watch me soak you we will celebrate you but we need to celebrate what God has done and what he's doing in our lives but we can't do any of these things if we choose not to engage we can't do these things if we choose not to gather in one way or another and I'm not saying we have to do it in person but we need to engage with other people not alone not isolated and we have provided ways for you to do that you can do it online we've been online since the very beginning of this thing you can watch yes you can watch from online anytime and anywhere and that's been one of the fun cool things but the habit of watching alone is isolation and I'm gonna encourage you. You can do that here and there, that's fine. But like, do not disengage, don't isolate yourself from the people that you need and that need you. We have human interaction in the chats. So we, every time we gather, we're asking you questions, we're telling you to put answers in those chats. Harold's asking if he can pray for you. He's talking back to people and welcoming them just like we would if there was a person standing at the front door. He's our online host, and he's awesome. And if you're watching us online, you need to give him a high five because Harold has been doing this every week faithfully. He's been amazing. So let everybody give Harold a little bit of love in those chats. But the more we get used to isolating ourselves, the more we will choose to isolate ourselves. The more we get used to isolating ourselves, the more we will choose to isolate ourselves. And isolation, can I tell you, that's where the enemy does his best work on us. It's when we don't have people to remind us who God is, when we don't have people speaking back to our negative thoughts. It's when we don't have people encouraging us and praying for us and supporting us. We need each other. But we don't just have that. We also have in person And I am going to toot, toot, toot my own horn right now because we are one of the safest churches that I know of that is meeting in person right now. We mask up. We have more than six feet of distance. I'm looking right now. There's probably more like 15 feet of distance. We are lucky. We are blessed. We have that. We're outdoor, which scientists are telling us we know the virus does not transmit easily outdoor, especially when you're using all those safety practices. And to my knowledge, like I said, not one case of transmission. So this is gonna sting a little bit, but I'm just gonna say it. If you've been going out to the store, indoors where we know the virus does transmit, if you're hanging out with people at their house, again, where we know it's easier to transmit, but you're not engaging in person, I just wanna, I'm gonna push back for a second and ask you why. Why not? This is the safest way, and we need each other. We need each other. So, yes, I am pushing back on you, and I'm going to ask you to examine why you would go to Target and not get your most necessary item in our life, which is the nourishment of our soul. Our soul is what we live from. And if we're not nourishing our soul, what does it matter if we've got apples from Target? he is the bread of life we need to nourish our soul so just take a moment and and assess that and if you are at home and protecting a loved one you can still engage invite that loved one to join you online do a watch party you can there are many ways to do this but don't be isolated if you're not coming because you're this is the one I hear the most, and and I'm going to shoot straight with you and encourage you about this, okay? If you're not coming because you're nervous that your kids are going to be distracting, can I just be honest with you? Listen, I get it. I had little kids at one time, too, at four of them, and I understand the hesitation and wanting to not be that person who's causing the craziness, right? But can I just say something? We are 100% used to distractions here. We've got Benji, the little dog that lives here, who is every week running through here, barking at people on the trail. We have got planes flying overhead. We've got all kinds of things happening. We've got horses that are clapping by. We've got literally, the we had like literally a political party happening next to us. We are used to distractions. We are not phased. So trust me, if your little one wants to get squirmy and run around, it's fine. We are all embracing it. Jesus said, let the little ones come to me. He was not put off by your little ones, and neither are we. We embrace it. When I was little, actually, I want to tell you, when I was a little girl, we had night church, and there was no kids program or any of that. And I remember rolling around under the pews, popping up underneath, scaring old ladies (laughs) and dropping crumbs everywhere from my snacks coloring on all the envelopes but you know what else i remember as as active and squirmy as i was i felt the holy spirit speaking to me god spoke to me even in those moments and he wants to speak to your kids too he's not limited to sitting nicely and quietly in a chair God speaks to us right where we are. So we're not put off by kids, and neither is Jesus. So bring them. We welcome them. We love them. And you know what? Not not Another thing just to kind of like help you, ease you back in. We do have kids back. There's activities. There's snacks. There's treats. There's plenty of space to run around if they need to get their wiggles out. We have zero judgment for that. It's happening right now. <laughs> we're, we're all still here. We're enjoying. We're getting fed the word, okay? So it's all good. And you know what? There's also a rogue puppy that's going to come by and entertain them too. So it's all good. Don't worry about it. So I've also been really low pressure on small groups and serving from day one, but this is another way for you to engage. And there's so many options and so many ways to do it right now. It's kind of opened up the doors for us to be able to do more things than we've done in the past in a way that works for us and for our life. If you have been Engaging. There's many people here today that I already know have been engaging with each other. They've been getting filled up. They've been support for one another. If that's you, I want to know in the chats, tell us how being connected to the body of Christ has been impactful for you this year. Because I know of some stories how it's been so important for the life. We want to hear them. And I think it's good for other people to see that too. But I can't understand any reason why you wouldn't want to engage with the body of Christ right now. And I don't say any of this to offend you or to shame you. There's 0% shame in this, okay? So do not take this as your mom scolding you. But I read that story this week about all of the people who, his friends and his family members, all these people who had a million and one excuses why they couldn't attend. This incredible feast that God had laid out for them. And I was struck by how many of us have been through that this year. And my heart was just pierced. My heart was pierced because I felt this overwhelming sadness of how many of us have been alone. But I also had this overwhelming amount of love for each one of you. And just going, gosh, how much I would love to just pour out into you how many other people in this church are waiting, just waiting. We've all been sitting around going, who can I help? What can we do? How can we love each other? Just reach out. It might feel a little bit awkward like the Wally people, you know. It's a little, you know, we're going to be a little awkward trying to figure this out and how close and how far do we stand apart from one another and do we high five or do we fist bump or whatever. It's a little awkward. It's a little weird. But can I tell you, there's no awkwardness on our end for you coming back come back. There's no awkwardness, there's no shame, just love and excitement because we need you and you need us. God has prepared a feast for you to bring you joy and friendship and laughter and purpose and nourishment and support and healing. So don't miss out on this awesome feast that God has for us by not engaging. So we're about to go into a time of worship and communion. And I just want to encourage you to pray about re-engaging if you have not been engaging. And if you are engaging, I want you to pray and ask God who you can bring to the feast with you. Because the table is wide open for all of us. And there's more room than we can ever imagine. And he wants to fill up the table. So fill up the table with us. Invite people in invite people to the most amazing feast they will ever take part of. So as we do this, I'm just going to ask you guys not to disengage, but to take this moment and really seek God. And uh, JP is going to lead us in this time of communion. And I think it's the perfect opportunity to actually take part in that feast through communion and ask God how we can build this kingdom.